Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. He is in the room this morning. He is in the room this morning. Mm. I promise if those wires weren't, weren't, weren't by those keyboards, them keyboards be in the floor. I, when we was practicing, at one point, you can ask Miranda Dre, when we was practicing, at one point, I just had to stop the song. I was like, listen, I've, the sauce is already on the song. If you don't know what that means, it's just a, it's a new age term of saying it, it's, it's there. The it factor, it's there. And the it factor, I don't know if you know this, is the Holy Spirit. If you have the spirit moving in your life, moving in your mortal souls, according to the Bible, if the spirit is living and moving, I mean, we live and move, we have our existence in him. You have, you have the it. And watch this. When, when you get in the room where the it is allowed to move and manifest, it's hard for you to be still. When you've been through some stuff, it's hard to sit still. And, you know, I, in my, in my, the creative side of me wanted to go to so many other different songs out of, out of Worthy Is Your Name. But there's just something about that statement. When you're just like, Worthy Is Your Name. Lord, you know what? Everything I've been through, God, you are so worthy. Lord, you caused the sun to raise this morning. Lord, you are so worthy. Lord, there's, there's oxygen in my body. Lord, you're so worthy. There, people, there's, there, there's people, men and women on this earth that they didn't wake up this morning. But I did, Lord, you are so worthy. Lord, I have a job, even though I may not want to go to it. Lord, you are so worthy. Lord, there's food in the fridge. You are so worthy. As Kelsey said, I've, I've, you know what? Life will get you so busy. The devil will get you so, so misconstrued. But I forgot, I don't know if y'all knew this, even though she said it, there was a time where we were praying for children and couldn't have any. And I forgot about that. But the goodness of God will remind you of where you once was. Not so he can say, I told you so, but you can see where you are now and how where you are now is different than where you once was and how that gratitude can bubble up, how that gratefulness can bubble up. And so then you can hold your head up high no matter what today looks like. Guess what? Today is not what yesterday looked like. Today is not what yesteryear used to be. This year is not what last year used to be. This year is not what five years used to be. I don't care who you are, what you've been through. Today is a new day. A new day, new mercies, new mercies. And I forgot about that. As soon as she said it, I was like, God. I, so then instantly I repented, and we're going to talk about repentance, but instantly right there I repented. I said, Lord, forgive me for ever getting annoyed and stressed out with my blessings, with my three blessings. Because I remember there was a time where we would watch people walk by. We'd be in a church, and all of a sudden, a new person get prayed. Another baby shower. Get another invitation to another baby shower. Another baby shower. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to buy. I don't want to buy toys for another baby. I want to buy toys for my baby. Lord, I want to buy diapers for my child. And we can tell that testimony later, but looking at it now, it's like, oh God. You know, before we came here, I was in the closet. I said, oh, man, we need more diapers. Lord, let me remember to tell Kelsey we need more diapers. Kelsey, we need more diapers. <laughs> oh, 
But I remember there was a time in my life where I would stare at the closet. Kelsey didn't know this. There was a time I would stare at our, at our, at our room, and I'd be like, Lord, are we ever going to get a chance to put diapers in here? Are we ever going to get to set up kids' toys? Am I ever going to give my parents kids to roll around and wrestle with? Y'all, I, don't, I, I, know, I, I know our lives are not perfect. I know your life is not perfect, but it is not where you used to be. And for that, he's worthy. When I was up on that stage, all I could keep thinking about was the, the story of Jericho. And literally, it, you know, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't their muscles that caused the Brits. Y'all realize the Brits to dismantle in, this, in the walls around it. I don't know if, you, if you've ever watched a wrecking ball smash a building. For some reason, it's therapeutic. Just watch it smash a building. I don't know why. Just watch it smash a building. As long as it's not my building, we're good. But, you know, it, it happens in an instant. And when you read this story in the Old Testament, you see they didn't have a wrecking ball. They had the Holy Spirit. They didn't have a wrecking ball. They had the Spirit of God. And literally, it was, the Bible says, it was their praise the word of the Lord was for them to open up their mouths and release a praise. You know what that praise sounded like? It sounded like them saying, God, you're so worthy. I bet you, I bet you if, if, if we could just be, if we can peer back and see what they, what they were praising, they, they had just been brought out of Pharaoh. And I'll be honest, if it was me in that group, oh, I would have been reminding everybody, Lord, you delivered us from Pharaoh. You delivered us from the oppressor. You delivered us from, from, you split the sea so I can walk on them, God. Oh, God, you're so worthy. What, he, what has he split in your life so, so you can walk on through? The All the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, but God. See, when, when, you, when we start thinking about that, you, you're starting to smile a little bit. You know why? Because there's that gratitude that bubbles up when you realize, you know what? It ain't perfect. But God. But I ain't where I used to be. My life is not where it used to be. Mm. Oh, worthy is your name, Jesus. Oh, you deserve the praise, oh Lord. Worthy is your name. Can we say that? Say, worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Listen, I encourage you this week, just sing that line over yourself. When you get stressed, and it's going to happen, stressors are going to happen. When you get lonely, loneliness will come. When you get aggravated, aggravation will come. When you get worried, worryation will come. I encourage you just, even, Lindsay, I may be at work when it happens. Okay, well, just, just say under your breath. Or just take a bathroom break or whatever it is, whatever you need to do. Dre, I need you to come watch my kids. Or, or Miss Raina, I need you to come in. Or Miss Aletha, I need you to come in. Just, I need to go to the bathroom or just... Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Oh, worthy is your name. Stay calm. Calm the storms that's going on right in here and right here. If Jesus could calm the storm with the word, 
and he lives in you, that you have the power to calm this storm and this storm right here. Right here. Oh, this is for somebody, especially for me, but you have the power to calm the storm. Yes. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, verses 47 through 49. I'm going to try to, I won't be before you very long, is what they used to say when I was a kid. Ah, I won't be before you very long, but uh, if you have your Bible, if you don't, we'll put it on the screen. Bless God, bless God. While you're turning there, while you're getting getting it together, uh, this morning I want to talk about the commission, not the group, even though the group is man. There's some there's some bad saints. Okay, I like that. There's some bad saints, but today I want to talk about the commission. You know, um, with the section of last last Sunday, we've kind of been staying sticking with the uh, kind of like the the, the timeline post Easter. You know, Easter, we talked about the, the resurrection of Jesus and all that came with that. And then every Sunday after that, we've kind of stayed, you know, when it comes to the canon, we've kind of stayed within the, you know, post-Jesus raising from the dead. And I want to stick with that um, just because I want to kind of build up towards the day of Pentecost. Pentecost actually falls on May 28th, powerful day for our household, May 28th this year. Um, also, it's homecoming as well for Sunday in May, I think. Uh, is that graduation weekend, too? Or the weekend before that? Okay, so I was about to say, Lord, what you doing? <laughs> what you doing there, Jesus? But I want to just give you these two ideas. Before you can go and do the Great Commission, you first have to believe in the right commission. Before you can go and do the Great Commission, first you got to make sure you are believing in the right commission. And then idea number two, do we want people to come to church or do we want people to come to know Christ? This is a heavy one right here. Now, my, my reason for saying that is, you know, do we want people to come to church or do we want them to come to know Christ? My reason for saying that is, is to lead you to a place of discovery to where, where we realize it shouldn't be either or, but it should be one is the seed and the other is the fruit. Amen. So, you know, with the with those two ideas, with those two trains of thoughts, it's a lot to it's a lot to go over, so we're going to, so you can, if you are taking notes today, it just be part one, and we'll do part two next Sunday, just, it's, it's too much to fit in, it's too much, fit. I can't, I can't fit that in, but, you know, just with this train of thought, you know, before we can go and do the Great Commission, you first have to believe in the right commission, Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, verse 47 through 49, he says, now you must go into all the nations and preach, what's that word? repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me start right here in Jerusalem for you are my witnesses and have seen for yourselves all that has transpired and I will send the fulfillment of the father's promise to you which is the Holy Spirit so stay here in the city until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you amen so obviously what's going on here in verse uh, you know, we're going to really, uh, really kind of focus on verse 49. But Jesus is risen from the dead. He's gotten back in touch with his friends. When I was studying this out, you know, and I was writing it down, normally I would say he's got back in touch with his disciples. But just out, just, just out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit, I wrote down, he has gotten back in touch with his friends. 
Now, yes, they are the disciples, but ultimately, why, why do I choose to call them as friends is because Jesus tells us in John 15, 13, and 14, he tells us that there's no greater love than, than laying down one's life for your friends. And that's what he did for them. So therefore, in his mind, these are his 11 friends. Amen. But watch this. It gets better. Somebody say it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. Why? Because that's what he did for me and you. So therefore, in his mind, he considers you a friend. That's why we can sing, I am a friend of God. And guess what? It gets better. He calls me friend. You know, we all got that one. You know, we all got those people where we, we want to be, we aspire to be friends with them. Oh, that, that's my boy. But, you know, they might not feel the same way. Yeah, I, I seen, uh, when I went and got barbecue this week, I seen an old friend. I mean, an old, old friend I'd forgotten about. And uh, he's grown up. I've grown up, you know, felt, felt good. You know, we've both grown up. We, we've changed physically a little bit, you know. And uh, I walked past him, and I wasn't paying attention or whatever. I get in line. It was a long line. It was right at lunchtime. And I'm standing behind, and I'm maybe about three people, you know, there's three or four people in between us, and I'm looking at him. And he's a tall guy, very tall guy. And I'm like, man, I used to know somebody that tall. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, is that so-so? It's like, ah, you know, I'm like, I'll bet you it is. I'm like, man, he probably, man, you know, man, look at that. That's so cool. I can't wait till Kelsey SC did it. That's cool. You know, that's my, that was my boy back in the day, you know. I'm like, he probably ain't going to feel the same way, whatever, you know. So when he's getting ready to leave, I was like, I called him by name and said, hey. He's like, hey, what's up? And in my heart, I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> We dabbing it up in the barbecue line, you know. That's that's probably a joke for, you know, what another day. You know, but I'm like, okay, in my heart, I'm like, oh, you feel the same way about me. And here we are talking and to the point that we, you know, we holding customers up. And, you know, you know, with God, it's it's not the it's not a one-way street where we we have a certain feeling about God, but he doesn't reciprocate that back. No, Jesus said there's no greater love than to lay one's life down for his friends, and he has laid his life down for you. You are a friend of God, and he calls you friend. Amen? He calls you friend. Some of y'all may have to write that on your mirror at the house. God calls me friend. When the devil tells you that he doesn't, when the devil tells you that you are far removed from God, God calls me friend. Amen. Amen. He calls us friend. Francis, uh, the, the author of the mirror translation, he says it this way, he interprets it this way. He says, our friendship with Jesus is endorsed in our continual engagement with the conclusion of his mission. Our friendship, it's endorsed as we engage every day with the mission of Jesus, which is he came to restore you. He came to restore you. He came to free you from the power of sin. He came to redeem you back. He came to redeem you from the curse of sin and death. He came to bring you back into the fellowship of him and the father and the spirit. And the more we think about that, the more we meditate on that, the more we choose to believe it. Our friendship is endorsed that way. Amen. The best way to say it is because you are in love with Jesus, you just can't shut up about him. Because you're so in love with Jesus, you just can't shut up about him. Seven years ago, I, I, one of the, I ate the greatest breakfast display of breakfasts at the greatest breakfast restaurant. And that was seven years ago. I, I was thinking about it when I was working on this. I was like, Lord, that was seven years ago. But you couldn't tell it because I still talk about it. Why? Because I loved it so much I couldn't stop talking about it. Seven years later, I still talk about it. Seven years later, I encouraged a whole, a whole uh, uh, the Montessori staff when they went to Nashville. I was like, hey, make sure you da-da-da-da. And guess what? You know what? Seven years later, it still slaps. 
it still makes you have to loosen the belt buckles. <laughs> have, to, have to loosen the. It makes you still have to take an Uber, not because you're hungover, but because your food hungover. You just can't move no more. You got to call an Uber and say, y'all got to drive me. I can't drive myself. You know, or call a friend, whatever it is. <laughs> but because I loved it so much, I couldn't stop talking about it. The same should be said about us and Jesus. We don't talk about him because out of obligation. We don't talk about him because, oh, he saved me. I guess I better talk to my coworkers about it. Pastor Lee said better talk to the coworkers, talk to the family members. No, he has saved me. He's freed me. He's redeemed me. I, I can't help but talk about what he did. He, he, he didn't have to do it, but I can't help but talk about it because he did do it. He, he delivered me. He freed me. He rescued me. He ransomed me. He saved me. What's the, what, what's the song say? Uh, uh, living, he saved me. You know, carried my sins far away. You know, he, I can't help but what he's done for me. I can't help but not shut up about it. I got Jeremiah said it best. He said, what well, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Fire is hard to contain. Fires, you know what, Lindsay, fires, you can contain fire. No, have you ever just seen one firefighter sent to a scene? No. Fire, it takes multiple men. It takes multiple men and women. Why? Because fire is hard to contain. The love of God that's bursting in you should be uncontainable. It should be flowing out of you when you go to work and people cut you off. The love of God should flow out to the point that you pray for them instead of cursing them out. The love of God should be flowing in out of you to the point that when people frustrate you, instead of you getting paid, instead of you plotting your revenge, you swipe. Y'all remember that, swiping those thoughts? You swipe those thoughts and you pull down the right ones. You pulled out the ones that look like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Somebody say repentance. repentance. So what has the Lord done for us that we can't stop talking about? You know, what has the Lord healed you of that you can't stop talking about? What has the Lord freed you of that you can't stop talking about? But obviously when Jesus said in verse 47 that we are called to preach repentance, that word in the Greek is the word metanoia. Now, we're really going to get into it this morning, but metanoia means a change of mind. Somebody say a change of mind. The best way to think about it is to do a 180, not do a full 360, because if you do a full 360, you're right back where you started. But to do a 180, to literally turn your back on where you once was and go a different direction, to change a mind. Amen. So understand this, historically, the word repent, unfortunately, it, uh, you know, it was a misrepresentation of the Greek word metanoia. Why? Because metanoia, like I said, literally means to, a change of mind or to rethink. And the modern church in America, they, we, we you know, taught the idea of repentance, meaning to tell God that you sinned. Tell God that you are sorry for that sin and ask God to forgive you that sin. Promise to never do that sin again. And go down to the altar of the church, tear and crying, weeping and gnashing of teeth, and just yell that you will never do that sin again. And that's the idea of repentance. When in the Greek, when it was penned in the scripture that we read, when Jesus is talking, he's saying the word metanoia, which means we are to preach a, to, uh, we are to preach a changing of one's mind. A changing of one's mind. Unfortunately, the prevailing church of the time intentionally inserted the word repent in replace of rethink. Now, Lizzie, why, why is that a big deal? Well, understand this. Because of their emphasis on penance, which is to do works to merit or earn God's favor. See, repent, that word re and then the word pent, P-E-N-T, P-E-N-T comes from the word penance. Therefore, the, the, the goal is to focus on our words and earning God's favor instead of depending on Jesus' blood and finished work. 
Say, I don't know if you knew this, but you can't earn God's favor. You cannot. There's nothing you could do more to earn. There's nothing you could do. Let me say it best this way. This is the way they taught us in school. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you more than what he loves you right now. There's nothing that you could do more or there's nothing you could do to make God love you less. Why? Because he is perfect love. His perfect love is unconditional. Unconditional. Our love, unfortunately, our love is conditional. Somebody cuts you off instantly, you're like, well, you know, I ain't going to hang out with them again. Never work for this guy again. I mean, our love is conditional. But Jesus, perfect love, unconditional. And unfortunately, the word, when we see that, when we, when, we, when we focus on doing our own, trying to earn our own favor with the Lord, it is, a, it is a short race every time. It is a short competition every time. It is a dead-end street. But in other words, when they were saying repentance, to do penance again, of course, this also gave the church control over people as it kept them coming back to the church. And then, you know, we've talked about it before a couple of years ago with the whole, with Catholicism. And how the Catholic Church would do indulgences and indulgences where they would charge prices, they would charge fees. And, you know, the, the love member would or somebody would pay a fee and then the church would would bless their love member to go to heaven out of purgatory. Or if they was in hell, the, the family member would be like, you know, I know my I know my loved one's gone to hell. And, you know, and they would pay this fee to the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church would bless their loved one and they make it to heaven. Well, we know that is not scripture. Well, we know that is the opposite of what Jesus did at the cross. Amen. That is the opposite of what Jesus did at the cross. See, authentic metanoia, it's when we stop believing the lies that are keeping us in bondage and turn to God's truth that sets us free. It's when we stop believing in our own performance. It's when we stop believing, okay, you know, let me, let me just do it. Now move over, let me just do it. I had somebody tell me, you know, the other day, that's, Lindsay, that's one of your biggest problems. You just, you just, and in my head, I'm like, they're confirming my head. The thoughts in my head are confirming what they're saying because I'm like, well, I know that. But if you're just going to tell me what I already know, what am I here for? You know, it was a waste. Hurry up with this. Let's get this on. It's easy for us to put gasoline in our performance. But if you are putting gasoline in your performance, guess what? You are responsible for filling it up when that tank gets empty. You're responsible for the maintenance. You're responsible for the wear and tear. You're responsible for it. See, so, yeah, you know, as a mail carrier, as a rural carrier, my, you know, my route, I had to provide my own vehicle for my route. But when I ever go to work at other offices, you know, and I get to work routes that the, the vehicle is provided for, that, that's my favorite. Why? Because the wear and tear is not my responsibility. You know, the gas, watch this, the gas that has to go in that vehicle, it's not my responsibility. They give me the company card, I do, 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 do. But if it's, if it's Lindsay's vehicle, if Lindsay's on the title, Lazy's got to pay for it. Lazy's got to do the responsibility, the wear and tear, the maintenance, all that stuff. If, if we are solely focused on our performance, then we are solely focused. We're responsible of gassing ourselves up, encouraging ourselves. We are responsible for filling our tanks up all the time unless we rely on Jesus, unless we rely on what he did at the cross, unless we rely on him saving us, unless we rely on him freeing us, unless we rely on him delivering us. Amen. Authentic metanoia, which is the Greek word in, in the scripture that we talked about when it comes to repentance. Authentic metanoia is when we stop believing the lies that are keeping us in bondage and turn to God's truth that sets us free. It's to rethink, to change one's mind, to believe like God, to agree. Watch this. It's to agree with his opinion 
to turn from error to truth. So what repentance was supposed to be, authentic metanoia, it's you agreeing with God's truth. It's you agreeing how God feels about the situation or how, watch this, how God feels about you. That's why it's a 180, not a full 360, because if you're doing a full 360, you're right back in the same where you were. But consider this, the Greek word metanoia, it's a realignment of one's reasoning. It's a gathering of one's thought, a co-knowing. So listen to this, it has nothing in common with the Latin word uh, peniti, or where we get penance from, but uh, it stems from, you know, penance stems from uh, payback or punishment inflicted on oneself. So then when you add the word re to repentance, it's a repeating, it's a loop. It's a constant loop of you bearing bondage upon yourself. It's a constant loop of you bearing, uh, you bearing all these different iotas and, and clauses and laws that you cannot keep. And that's what the children of Israel did when they came up with six, 613 laws on top of the 10 laws that God gave. Penance, trying to earn God's favor, trying to earn God's grace, trying to earn God's mercy. When it was all just solely focused on us just relying on him and not us relying on ourselves. Amen. <clears throat> let's get through this let's get through this. so said so the greek preposition meta which is you know forms the word metanoia but the greek preposition if we break down the word metanoia the meta and metanoia means together with it means together with and this applies this is where uh, the gospel becomes so powerful because it appeals to our conscience it means to reason together with our original design so meta and metanoia, it means to reason together with our original design. The authentic thought, the mind God is realized again. This implies another influence. So when we are when we're full authentic metanoia, it means that we are agreeing with God's opinion about ourselves. God's opinion about any topic. Any, you take any topic and be like, okay, how does God feel about it? And if it's the opposite of how you feel, then you know what? I need to repent. I need to 180. I need to change my thought process about it. I need to change how I feel about it. And we're all in stages. There's certain stages where we agree with God's opinion, and there's some stages where we don't agree with God's truth. There's some stages, there's some topics where we all were like, oh yeah, I agree with the truth of God, and our actions show it. But then there's some topics, there's some people, there's some things that are going on in the culture that we don't agree with God's opinion or God's truth about. And that's where metanoia is supposed to take place. That's where we're supposed to change and come into alignment, realignment with heaven. Amen? Amen. I wrote this down. The distance caused by Adam's fall compared to the distance between heaven and earth is canceled in Jesus. The distance caused by Adam's fall is canceled in Jesus. See, metanoia suggests a co-knowing with God. It's an, it's an intertwining of thought. It's to agree how God feels about me. We talk, there's that word intertwining. We talked about it last week, how David said that I am intertwined with you. I'm intertwined with you. I'm, I'm in the pericresis fellowship. I'm, I'm in the circle with the Father, Son, and Spirit. I'm joined with them. Therefore, all that I go through, they are experiencing as well, but all that they experience, I get to experience as well. Amen. We are intertwined with it. The best way to describe it is I remember when we lived in our last apartment in Florida, when I would come home, Keenan instantly, he would run and he'd grab hold of my leg and he just wouldn't let go. And I loved it. And I would, you know, kill. So I was like, get off daddy so I could walk. I'm like, no, 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 it's cool. And, you know, I walked to the kitchen and I walked to his room. So therefore, everything that he experienced that day, you know, if he built something, he'd be like, daddy, come look. So I walked to his room. So therefore, he's bringing me into his world. 
he's bringing me into the projects that he has done so I can see and give, you know, give my cosign and, and if it needs help, then daddy can help him finish it. But also what daddy's got going on, which was at the time daddy wanted a snack because he just got off work. Daddy go to the kitchen and guess what? Keenan got to get a snack. Why? Because he was intertwined with his father. We are intertwined with the Father to where we can bring him into our world and all that we have going on. And he can bless, he can restore, he can redeem, he can heal, or he can rescue. But also he can bring us into his world and everything that he's doing in the season, he won't do without you. Why? Because we are intertwined with him. Amen? Woo. That's you. That's your reality. That, that every day you wake up, you are intertwined with him. That's what you get to experience. You get to experience the Father coming into your world and you coming into his. Amen? Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? That's why the devil loves to convince you that you're alone. Why? Because that's the reality of you are intertwined. You are never without the Father. But that's why the devil loves to convince you that, okay, well, this person is gone in your life, so therefore you have to make it all, all the struggles that you're going to have to do, all, the, all these different hills and uphill battles that you're going to have to face. The devil, anytime the devil is convinced, trying to convince you of something, the opposite of that thing is true. The opposite of that thing is true, amen? amen. So if the devil's trying to convince you that you are lonely, then guess what? The opposite of that is true. What's the opposite? You're not lonely. You're surrounded by all of heaven. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 and Hebrews chapter 13 says that we are surrounded, we are being cheered on by the great cloud of witnesses, the greats. Now, I know, listen, you know, we live in this world where, you know, every person that plays sports isn't great. You know, you got the, you got the B players, you got the C players, you got the A's, and then you got the A pluses. So in my mind, when I read that text in the Lindsay Mellon translation, which will come out, who knows when it'll come out, but in the Lindsay Mellon translation, when we see the great, the great cloud of witness, we see the Hall of Famers, the A++, all the greats, all the greats are cheering you on, cheering you on. It doesn't say that they're observing and judging. No, they are cheering you on. Why? Because they know that the spirit of God lives in you. You have the it factor. You have the it factor. Whatever you need to conquer, you can conquer. Why? Because you have the spirit of God living in you. In fact, you've already conquered it. You just have to believe it right here. You've already conquered it. You just have to believe it right here. Amen. So in verse 47, Jesus said that we are to preach metanoia and forgiveness of sin. Somebody shout forgiveness. forgiveness. That word forgiveness or remission in some translations, it's, it's uh, in the Greek, it literally means a release from bondage. Mm. A release from bondage, imprisonment, to send away, to let go, liberation from captivity, deliverance and release. So not only is Jesus saying, so, you know, let's break the scripture now. He's saying that we are to preach metanoia, which is to change one's mind, which is to come into alignment with how God feels about you. We're to preach that, number one. We're to preach, uh, we're, uh, we are to preach, let me get it out, a release from bondage bondage so forgiveness of sins is liberation from the bondage of sins it's freedom from the bondage of sin and we've said it before but i'll go over it again sin in the greek it's the word hamartia and see hamartia this is this is a tough one to swallow if it, if it hasn't already been tough to swallow but this is a tough one to swallow but sin in the greek is hamartia which means to be without your allotted portion or without form it's to be in a state of disorientation or, or distortedness. You know, the, the other day, uh, dad was talking about how he went to the eye doctor and they uh, dilated his eyes. And whenever I go to the eye doctor, that's the one thing I hate. 
I hate when they dilate your eyes. Because if you're like me, I want to. I don't want to have to wait on somebody to come pick me. I want to drive home. Like other people got stuff to do. Like why well, no? I got a license. Let me let me truck it. Let me try to truck it. And the last time I went to the eye doctor, they didn't dilate my eyes. So I was good. But the time before that, they did. We was living in Bristol, Tennessee, and uh, Kelsey was at work. And I, you know, went to the eye doctor because I had something going on and just wanted them to see. So they dilated my eyes. And I remember driving home. It was back when I had the RAV4 still. That's how long ago this was. I remember driving that little RAV4, gripping the, gripping the wheel like, Jesus, just help me get home. Just help me get home. Why? Because everything was distorted. Some things were smaller than what they really were in reality. I'm going somewhere with this. And then some things were really bigger than they were, they were in reality. That's what sin does. It distorts everything. See, Adam and Eve, they, and they, the, 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 the sin wasn't just them eating of the fruit. That was the byproduct of them sinning. The sin was them believing that God was withholding himself from them. They believed, they believed something that was bigger than what it was because if they were to really focus, they would have seen, hey, oh, no, 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 that's not true. That's not real. I'm made in the image of God. I can look into the lakes and see God's reflection, which is myself. But instead of them believing that they were creating the image of God, they believed a lie. They believed in a distorted view of God. And that's what we see when we look at the Greek word hamartia. That sin is uh, to be without your allotted portion. Uh, it's to point into a disorientation or distortedness, bankrupt identity. Ultimately, hamartia means that to be without form. See, sin is to live out of context with the blueprint, blueprint of one's original design. Sin is to live out of context with the blueprint of one's original design. To behave, listen to this, to behave out of tune with God's original harmony. To behave out of tune with God's original harmony. See, harmony, you know what harmony is? Harmony is a, is a distinct sound that is different, but, but once it accompanies the melody, it is pleasing to the ears. Therefore, harmony is it is created to be different, but also to fit right in. And you are, Bible's, Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says that you are a harmonious sound to God. Therefore, you are made to look different. You're made to look different than your co-workers. You're made to look different than the culture. I see what the devil loves to, he loves to pick on that, that feeling of, oh man, I feel different. You know, I guess I need to conform. And it's never that obvious. We never say, well, I guess I need to conform. You don't say those thoughts. But you say, well, maybe I need to grow my hair longer. Maybe I need to lose this weight. And there's nothing wrong with growing hair longer. There's nothing to lose weight. Maybe, maybe I need to buy those shoes. Maybe I need to buy that vehicle. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. Well, guess what? The feeling of, man, I feel different. Yeah, you are different. Why? Because you're made in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. You were fearfully and wonderfully made in a world that is fearful about everything. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in a world that is full of blemishes and is trying to cover them up. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So that, that feeling of difference, yes, that is real. You, are, you, you should feel different. You should feel different, but you should feel like the, the, the harmony when it comes to the melody. You should be like, I am different, but also when I plug into the right spaces, I am pleasing to the Father. I am pleasing to the ear. And we see that Romans chapter 8 says that all of creation groans for the sons and daughters of God to manifest. So therefore, you are the sound that the culture needs. 
You are the sound that the people at the senior center needs. You are the sound that the people at your job needs. You are the sound that the people at Walmart need. You are the sound that the person on the other end at the gas station needs to hear. You are the sound at the family reunion that people need to hear. You are the sound. Lindsay, am I the sound? You are the sound. Lindsay, am I the sound? Yes, you are the sound. How am I the sound? Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. You are that sound. And Jesus said that we are to preach metanoia. We are to preach a changing of one's mind, preach a 180. We are to preach forgiveness, which is to literally a freedom from bondage. What, Lindsay, what's the bondage? Sin. The bondage of a distorted viewpoint, viewing their whole life through distortion, whole life through distortion. Amen. So how is this relevant to us? When's the last time you saw a Rolls Royce? I love this. This is how all this is relevant to us. When's the last time you've seen a Rolls Royce? Has anybody ever seen a Rolls Royce with your own physical eyes? Me neither. Me neither. But we see them on TV. You know, maybe. Or do we? When's the last time you've seen a Rolls Royce? You know, you can't go to Helms. You can't drive up to Helms and see a Rolls Royce. They have some nice vehicles up there in the, in the little showroom. It's funny. The little showroom is like... But you, don't, you, you can't go to CarMats and get a Rolls Royce. In fact, you don't see any commercials on TV or social media about a Rolls Royce. So, so I, you know, they're not a bankrupt company. How are they still getting customers? They actually do advertise. You know where they advertise at? They advertise at air shows. Air shows. You know, when you know, companies are shopping for new jets or, or the billionaires are shopping for a new private jet, that's where you can go see an advertisement for a Rolls Royce. So you'll see a Boeing jet, another jet, and then Rolls Royce right here. And it's like, they don't belong there, but what? So the fact that they advertise at air shows, you know, last time I checked, none of us used an airplane or a helicopter to get to Walmart. Mm hmm now watch, so I'm going somewhere with this. So therefore, in our day-to-day -day life, a Rolls Royce will be irrelevant. And watch this. The price tag on a Rolls Royce, if it's compared to Boeing Jets, you know, I, we speak faith. Lord will bless us when he does. But if we're being honest, the price tag on a Rolls Royce is out of our reach, if we're being honest. Unfortunately, the church in the West and, and so much, not just the, the church in the West, but a lot of times, even through our traditions, we have misrepresentation. We, we have this misrepresentation when it comes to forgiveness and repentance to the point that people don't want to come to church because we make the forgiveness of God and we make the repentance of God seem irrelevant and out of reach. See, if we're preaching that, okay, if you're going to repent, you got to repent. Okay, you got to cry it out. You got to dog it out. You got to drag it out. When Jesus is like, hey, that's, that's not repentance. Because I've, I've seen people cry it out. I've seen people dog drag it out, all this stuff, and get up and still cuss them out. When Jesus is like, hey, I want you to go into the world and preach repentance. I want you to go into the world and preach metanoia, a changing of one's mind. Do you mind pulling back verse 47? There's something Jesus said in it. Watch this, what happens when we preach metanoia and forgiveness of sins. He says, you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to him. He didn't say, hey, I want you to go and build up this institution that is full of traditions and full of religious rules and full of all these different stigmas and all these different levels that you got you to gotta cross and all these different hoots that you got to you know. No, I need you to preach, hey, change your mind. 
be released from sin so they can see that I am the great I am. Jesus said, hey, I need you to preach repentance. I need you to preach forgiveness of sins. But unfortunately, we've made forgiveness and we've made repentance so irrelevant and so unaccessible. We made it the Rolls Royce, something that we can't get on our own, something that we don't have access to. And not just we as this church, but I'm talking about the church in America. Because when you look at doctrine after doctrine, denomination after denomination, eventually one person asked me uh, when I was invited to church, well, what denomination are you? And normally I would have been like non-denomination, but I was like, in this moment, the Holy Spirit kicked over. I said, hey, does the denomination matter to you? He's like, no, it, it, it doesn't. Does, do, I said, it doesn't. I said, now there is a denomination on our, on our sign. I said, but we're actually in the process of a rebranding. But in my opinion, the denomination does not matter. Does it matter to you? He said, no. He said, that feels so good to hear somebody say that. And I thought, wow. I'm like, Lord, how many other people are like that to, to the point that they will, they will choose not to step into a church, not to access the spirit of God, not to be in a room where we can sing about how worthy he is because of the denomination, because of the stigma of the denomination, because of the stigma of the religion, because of the stigma of all the traditions. And in that moment, I'm like, Lord, you've given us a mission, but we've chosen our own mission. That's why I said before we can do God's great commission, we have to make sure that we've chosen the right mission. We have to make sure that, hey, what I'm choosing to do, is it what Jesus told me to do or is it a, a version of it? Is it an alternative version of it? Is it, is it a, you know, the boys, they got these little parachute thingies from a party. And I told them, okay, I'm going to make you one. You know, I don't want to go buy a new parachute because it's like a one-time toy. It's weird. Oh, I'm making. We got some stuff around the house. So here I'm looking for alternate versions of stuff to make a parachute. But still, at the end of the day, I'm having to get their parachute toy and look at it and say, "Okay, what can I come up that looks just like this?" We've done that. The church in the West, we say, "Okay, here's the scripture. What can I come up with that looks close to it?" Instead of just saying, "Okay, Lord, let me mirror this." Lord, you said to change my mind. Okay, let me encourage the people to change their mind. You said that we are free from the power of sin and death. Through what you did at the cross, not by our own works, lest we can boast on our own self, is what Paul said. Okay, then let me do that. Let me make sure that I am preaching something that doesn't encourage people to boast in their own works, but boast in the work of the cross. Let me make sure that my life reflects it at work. That when people say, man, Lindsay, how, how, how are you able to do that? Make sure, man, Lord, let me make sure that I have an answer that doesn't look like it's all me, but it looks like it's all God. Lord, let me make sure that when people see me pull up in something, they're like, Lindsay, how did you get that? Let me make sure that it looks like it's all God and not all me. The Bible says that when, 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 the, when two of the disciples were arrested, the Bible literally says that they perceived that they were uneducated men, but they were walking with the Spirit of God. That's what your life should be like. People should be able to look at you in the natural and be like, I don't know how she got him. It's got to be God. But unfortunately, we want, the, we want the applauses where everybody's like, oh, man, look what you did. Good job. Good job. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with encouraging people. Man, you did a good job. We do it to the boys. Keenan lost his soccer game yesterday morning. But I told him, I said, buddy, hey, you still did a good job. You scored a point. You scored a point. You was the best out there. And even though he didn't want to hear this, I told him, I said, hey, man, I am still proud of you because you are my son. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. I'm proud of you. And I told him, I said, just as proud as I am a brother of winning the game, I'm just as proud of you. There's no difference. 
And when I'm telling them that, before we're going back to get um, snow cones, I'm thinking about, oh, man, that's how God feels about us. That's the father in Luke 15. He celebrated the one son that left. He told the other son, I'd celebrate you if you wanted it. It's always been available. But unfortunately, we have built this thing up to where it's like, okay, here's, you know, you got saved, good, all right, you got to do these different things next. You got to do all this next. You got you to do these classes. You got to do this membership. You got to do all these different things. And there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with engaging in church. But we, when we make that the goal, when we make that the focus, instead of engaging with Jesus, then there's a problem. You know, we live in a world where everybody is deconstructing from the faith. And see, there's nothing wrong with deconstruction as long as we do it with the intent of growing closer to Jesus. Because I've deconstructed. There's some things where I'm like, Lord, is this, is this really you or is it my upbringing? Lord, is this really you or is it traditions? Is this really you or is it this or is this what everybody just does? And, you know, is this what we all supposed to do? And I, I heard one author, I loved it, but this one author, instead of deconstructing, and I was talking to Dre about this, instead of deconstructing, she called it detangling. And when she said that, I'm driving my truck, doing my route, putting letters in the box. Instantly, I, th- I had this mental picture I've watched before my wife. I love, I love my wife's hair. I love her hair. She's got long, blonde hair. It was one of the first things I noticed about her when I met her. Long, blonde hair. Well, it's so long, y'all. I don't know if you knew this. I'm about to tell on her. She's going to get mad. She ain't going to get mad. Whatever. I'm speaking in face. She ain't going to get mad. But whenever she showers, she instantly, if she washes her hair, when she gets out, she has to take a comb and detangle it. And, you, and I, I can always tell when she's detangling it. Why? Because she comes out, you know, it's, she'll come out. It's nice and flowy. It looks so good, but her face is just, oh. <laughs> I'm like, she done went to war with the hair. <laughs> But she has to she has to run a comb and detangle it. Now watch this. When she's detangling the hair, her purpose is to never she doesn't want to lose the hair. That's why she's detangling it. She's she's straightening out, she's making sure every everything is, you know, is you know, it's not intertwined. Why? Because if she doesn't detangle it, then it will lock together, it will pull, and sometimes it'll pull right out over time. And it produces unhealthy hair, so therefore she has to detangle it. But when she does this, she does it with the tint of, I love my hair and I want to keep this. See, when we are detangling through religion, our purpose of, or detangling the gospel, our purpose is, I don't want to lose Jesus. I actually want to grow stronger in him. Therefore, I'm running, I'm running the filter of, hey, God, is this you or is this tradition? Is this you or is this a preference? Because you think about it, every denomination that is sparked up, it's based off of preference. Not gospel, but preference. Preference. Well, I, I like my music this way. This church, they didn't talk about this, so we're going we're gonna to do this. And out of that, man, they ain't talking about this, and I don't like that style. So when you, that's why you can go to a town. That's why you can come through Lexington and run through. I counted it one time in the phone book. Yes, Yellow Pages still exist. You have to, I work at the post office. I deliver them, so I have some time. But Yellow Pages does still exist. And we, last time I checked, we had 121 churches in Henderson County. 121 churches. I don't even know where 121 churches is in Henderson County, but it's, it's there. And we deliver mail to 121 churches, so it's there. But I'm like, 120, watch this, 121 different preferences outside of that. Hey, let me, let me look at this and, okay, oh, but this person ain't doing that, so we're going to do that, but we're going to add something else too. Hey, they, they're not doing that, we're going to add something else too. 
And that, that's the way it was here in the Church of the West. But understand this, when Jesus said that we are to, we are to preach repentance, we are to preach forgiveness of sins. It, he didn't say, I need you to preach that and more. He said, oh, no, no, no. I'm, giving you, I'm giving you what you, I need you to go and spread the word about. But like I said, when it comes to detangling the faith, it's about questioning the unhealthy ideologies of Christianity and to learn to embrace true freedom in Jesus, not apart from Jesus. That's why when I was talking to Dre about this, I was like, man, I, I, I like that phrase, detangling the faith. It's about questioning the unhealthy ideologies of Christianity and learning to embrace true freedom in Jesus, not apart from Jesus, not apart from Jesus, not apart from Jesus. That's why I said before you can go do the Great Commission, you first have to make sure you believe in the right commission. You first have to make sure that you are, before you can repent, you have to make sure that in your mind, okay, I have to understand, I've seen everybody cry it out and drag it out. Okay, Lord, if that's not repentance, what is? And we dig into the scriptures and we see repentance is a changing of one's mind. Okay, Lord, I have to change my mind. So, okay, what do I change my mind to? You change it to what God says is true. So, therefore, you, you can take a subject, you can take a topic about anything, but like, okay, Lord, how do you feel about that? That's what repentance looks like right there. Lord, how do you feel about this person? Lord, how do you feel about this group of people? We've said it before, but right believing leads to right living. Amen? Right believing leads to right living. Do we fully believe that, do you fully believe that you are the beloved of God, regardless of conditions, regardless of circumstances? I would say this and I'll close. You are two things. You are either living by God's truth or you are living by your performance. You are either spending this life living and believing in God's truth, what God says about you, what God says about your coworker, what God says about certain people, what God says about different types of laws. You're either believing in the truth of God or you're believing in your preferences and your performances. And I, if I'm being honest, church, there's some areas still in my life where I'm believing in a perform or I'm believing in a preference instead of the truth of God. And in those areas, I'm like, all right, Lord, Lord what, help me repent. Help me change my mindset to agree with your mindset. Lord, how do you feel about this? How do, you feel, how do you feel about this person? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about this law? Lord, this is what we have going on in our culture. What do you say about that, Jesus? Lord, what do you say about this? Listen, our kids, when they want to know something, Kellen last night, you know, he wanted to watch the, he wanted to watch the Warriors last night with me. That's what we, so we watched a little bit of it. They were losing, so we turned it off. <laughs> we went to bed. <laughs> put in the bed and he's asking questions about the game and I'm trying to be nice part of me is like man they losing I won't talk about it right now you know but he's you know he's asking me all these different questions they were they were genuinely they were they were different rules about the game well daddy why do they have to do this so I explain the rule he's like daddy what does the NBA stand for so I tell him that you know but everything that he was seeking instead of him coming up with his own preference or definition of it. Hey, what does my father say about this? So in his heart, he knew that his father knew the truth and his father's truth was enough. Church, we are sons and daughters of God. We have to come to that mindset of, hey, Papa, what do you say about this? I know what everybody else is saying. 
whether they're saved or not. I know what the churches are saying. I know how the churches are doing. But Lord, what do you say? Lord, they, everybody else says I got to jump through this hoop and I got to climb this ladder. But Lord, you, what, what, do, what do you say? Okay, I, I'm going to come into agreement with that. And that's what repentance is. I'm going to come into agreement with your truth. I'm going to come into agreement with your truth. Amen. That's why I said you're either living life empowered by the authentic truth of God or you are living life empowered by your own efforts and ideologies. You cannot mix the two. You ever try to you ever try to cook oil and water in the same pot? It don't work out too good. If you ever watch it, in fact, if you watch it, the oil will separate from the water. Scientifically, it's described as combining water and oil to cook food is generally not recommended. Oil and water do not mix, and oil, watch this, has a higher boiling point than water. This can cause the oil to break down more quickly and create off flavors, odors, and fumes. When you're mixing two things that don't belong. Two things that don't belong is God's truth and your performance. Which one do you trust? God's truth and traditions. Which one are you going to lean on? God's truth and the way it's always been. Which one are you going to lean on? Because if you're leaning on you, then you are responsible for you. But if you're leaning on the Lord, he will take care of you. If you're leaning on the Lord, he will save you. If you're leaning on the Lord, he will rescue you. I love this one. If you're leaning on the Lord, he will fight your battles. If you're leaning on the the Lord, he he will be the one that keeps your heart beating. If you're leaning on the Lord, he will move everything that's obscuring your vision. If you are leaning on the Lord, he will take care of you day in and day out. If you are leaning leaning on the Lord, he will be the one that will uphold you. If you are leaning on the Lord, he will be the one that will steady you. Steady you. Somebody say steady me. He will will be the one that steadies you in perfect peace. In perfect peace. I guess what I'm pretty sure each and every person in this room has been through something that you need the Lord to steady you. But it's only going to happen when you lean on him and you say, it's not when you lean on him, but you still got your hand on everything that you knew. And there's parts of me where I'm like that and I'm still holding on to everything. Well, Lord, ah, Um, and there's the the most recent thing the Lord did. I was, Lord, I've always known it like this. He's like, just trust me. I'm like, that's what I did. I do it with everybody. I'm like, <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit said something that he knew that would get me. The Holy Spirit knows what to say to get you. He said, Lindsay, what do you have to lose? I'm like, <laughs> Lord. Because he knew that in my heart when he said that, I'd be like, Lord, trust in you. There's nothing losing. I don't lose when I trust you. I even, because this happened while I was in the mail truck. Lord, I don't lose when I trust you. I lose when I trust myself. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. And then, of course, my comical mind is like, all right, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm still keeping my hand on this wheel, Lord, but you know what I'm talking about. Just because the Lord knows me. I'm a good one. But I'm like, Lord, there's nothing. I don't lose when I trust you. Church, I'm here to remind you, you, you cannot lose when you trust him. But there's, there's things that we got to let go. There's things that, and, and it, it is a lifetime thing. Ten years from now, you will still find things that you're like, oh, I, I didn't know I was still holding on to that. 
I didn't know I was still holding on to my opinion about that or my opinion about that person. Okay, oh Lord, since you showed me that, what is, what's the truth about that? How do, you, how do you feel about that? Help me to come into agreement with that. That's what repentance looks like. Lindsay, that's not the case. It is the case because in the middle of it, we can see in the scriptures where literally Paul is calling out Peter because Peter would, he would, he would preach to the Gentiles, but whenever Jews would come around, he would only talk to the Jews. So there are still traditions that we hold on to that we still need God to free us from. And I encourage you, church, you know, when in the, in the pre-service playlist, I don't know if y'all heard, but there's, you know, there's a lot of bops that played in the shuffle this morning. I don't know how that happened, but I was very happy. But one of the songs, literally the line says, revival, let it begin in me. Revival, let it begin in me. You see, growing up, we've always known the revival to be scheduled services. Think about that for a minute. Revival be scheduled services. And, with, and what the Lord wants to do, it, it, it breaks every schedule that you can plan. What the Lord wants to do, it breaks any and every plan that you can ever come up with. But what he wants to do, it's, it's going to begin in you if you allow him to do it. Amen. If you allow him to do it. What's the purpose of us allowing him to, 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 to free us? It's like if you've ever watched a sunset before, most of the time when you're watching a sunset, you don't, at least for me, I don't, I don't put sunglasses on. Why? Because it's, it's low enough that where my eyes can handle it. But if you've ever watched a, a sunset, if you ever put colored glasses on, nobody puts colored glasses on. Nobody puts red tinted or blue tinted or green tinted glasses when they're looking at a sunset. Why? Because you cannot behold the true sunset. You're going to get this off version. You're going to get this off-filtered version. That's it's opposite of what really is the reality of what you're seeing. And church, there's there's things that we got blue tinted and red tinted and green tinted glasses on. That God's like, hey, what I, I, what you're doing? I appreciate the enthusiasm, but let's focus on me first. Let's, let, let's focus on how, 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 how I have delivered you, how I have saved you, how I have freed you. Not on your own performance, but out of the love I have for you. And out of that, out of that, we can't stop talking about it. Out of that, we can't be quiet about it. Out of that, we can't stop singing about it. That's why when we were singing, Worthy is Your Name, I had to look at Kelsey and finally just give her the nod because I could have kept going. Because instantly my mind started trekking back to when I was a kid, all the different things that he brought me out of. Started trekking through all the different things I've seen him deliver Drea from, all the different things I've watched him deliver Kelsey from, all the different things I've watched him prevent our boys from. I, I, I could sing this forever and ever and ever and ever. He is a good God. And the goal isn't for us to sing forever and ever. The goal is the passion behind that to remain in your heart forever. Amen. Every head bowed and I, and I close. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this word that you've given us.